Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hi, this is Rabbi Morty Schwartz again, and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. Today, we're going to be look at, looking at Nazir Daf 14. Um, I want to uh, talk a little bit now before we begin to explain sort of what my methodology has been. I realize I'm about, I'm near the end of my time with you on Daily Daf Differently. I'm taking you through, through page 16, but it's uh, pretty clear that my focus really has been on the Mishnayot of this chapter. Uh, I've certainly discussed the Gemara as we've gone through, but I've I've pretty much read uh, the Mishnayot straight through, uh, and then sort of ad- added additional material, conceptual material or important material from uh, the Gemara. And I think that's really appropriate for this chapter. Certainly, my own mission, my own uh, interest is more in Mishnah than it is in Gemara in terms of my own uh, my own predilections. But at the same time, uh, I think in this particular chapter, there's really a focus on Parshanut Mishnah on explaining and interpreting uh, the interpretive problems of the Mishnah, uh, which is one of the things that the Gemara always does. Uh, but sometimes what it does is it goes off on, on large cha- tangents. In, these particular, in this particular chapter, in any case, it's really been focused on the Mishnah to the exclusion of these uh, fanciful um, tangents that the Gemara, digressions that the Gemara goes on. And so to that extent, I think I've really been focusing on the Mishnah, and we're going to continue with that that trend today. So if we, we are uh, today going to look at uh, Nazir Mishnah 9, which actually begins at the, uh, which is actually there in the, uh, quoted in the Gemara, in the edition that we use at the bottom of Daf 13. But uh, the lion's share of the interpretive material, in fact, nearly all of the interpretive material about this Mishnah is actually on Daf 14, uh, which is today's daf. So that's what I'm going to focus on. So if we look at the Mishnah, the Mishnah's concern seems to be um, when a person makes two uh, or a double Nazir vow. Uh, the person makes one vow to be a Nazir, and they make also a second vow uh, that they're going to be a Nazir when they have a child. And there are two, uh, I guess you would say, questions which are, at play when we're interpreting the Mishnah. One is the order in which they make those two vows, whether they make the vow to be a Nazir on their own first, and then make the vow to be a Nazir once they have a child, or if they first make the vow that they're going to be a Nazir when they have a child, and then they make a vow to be a Nazir on their own. That's the first set of questions. The second set of questions is what happens if they begin their own term or their own uh, period of fulfilling their own vow, and then the child is born while they're still in the process of fulfilling that vow to be a Nazir before they have had the completion ceremony, uh, does the birth of that child interrupt the period of the vow? Uh, And uh, how then does that play into the uh, completion ceremony? In other words, the process of shaving throwing the hair on the altar, and bringing the sacrifices. Do they do that once, 
or do they do that twice? Uh, all of that is sort of the interpretive material that the Gemara and the the uh, interpreters of the Gemara, the the various uh, Rishonim, uh, take up as they discuss this sugya. There's actually a very interesting dispute between Rashi and Rambam here in this particular Gemara uh, about which happens first, what's the order in which those things happen in terms of the completion ceremony, whether uh, we're going to talk about completing the Nazi route first, or uh, whether, in fact, this is one of the few cases in which we would have a situation in which a person had already brought their sacrifices for the completion of their Nizi route, and nonetheless, they have to continue on as a Nazir, fulfilling out the last days of their Nizi route because of this strange interruption that happens, because of the two periods of Nizirut which are happening uh, consecutively or concurrently, uh, as the case may be. So let's go ahead and read that Mishnah. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and insert into the Mishnah sort of these questions, these interpretive questions that come up in the Gemara. So as we go through the Mishnah, we'll also be going through the Gemara today, and hopefully that'll allow us to deal with these questions in kind of an efficient manner as they come up. So for here is the Mishnah. The Mishnah is Hareini Nazir, a person makes a vow to be a Nazir, uh, exactly as laid out in the book of Numbers. They're going to refrain from cutting their hair, coming into contact with the dead, and uh, from drinking wine, along with this completion ceremony at the end, which involves burning their hair up on the altar uh, and bringing us uh, the, set, the required set of sacrifices. Vin Nazir Ben. And then they say they're going to do the exact same thing whenever it is that they have a child in the future. And this is uh, sort of a, a carryover from the previous material that we discussed, where a person is kind of bargaining in order to have a child. They, they go to God and they say, I'm going to do this thing of being a Nazir. And uh, what I would like to do is, uh, as a result of paying this kind of uh, um, uh, pietistic sacrifice to you, you, oh God, will hopefully provide me with a child. Now the question is, are they linking both their own separate Nazir service to the additional service of being a Nazir? And they're thinking, oh, that's going to push me over the boundary here and God's going to grant me the child. Or is it that these are really two separate acts and the first act of being a Nazir is just a pious act and that's the second act that's really the act which is bargaining, the, the bargaining with God act. So here's what uh, what the Gemara then then picks, or I should say the Mishnah then picks up. When they make the vow in this manner, in other words, they've uh, stated they're going to be a Nazir on their own first before they talk about being a Nazir whenever they have a child. He counts now his own days of being a Nazir. And then afterwards, he has a child. He should finish his own term first. And only then should he, in fact, count the period of time for the second Nizirut, the Nizirut, that is, for having had a child. Now, here's the thing. The question is, does he do the completion ceremony two times or one time? In other words, does he say, well, I've had two independent and separate periods of Nizirut, and therefore I should have one completion ceremony, burn my hair up on the altar, bring the sacrifices, and then go ahead and do another 
30-day period of Nizirut and then do the whole completion ceremony again. In this particular case, it does seem, in fact, that we're talking about two separate completion ceremonies for uh, being a Nazir because they, he was actually able to complete the entire first uh, ceremony before the child was born. Okay, so fine. Here we get the second case now. Harini Nazir Keshieli Ben. Now he says, I'm going to be a Nazir when I have a child. That's the first thing he states. Vin uh, Nazir. And I'll also be a Nazir on my own. Now the question is, he preceded the statement that I'm going to be a Nazir on my own with the statement that he's going to be a Nazir whenever he has a child. So which of those two things has precedence? It appears, according to the Mishnah, or the way the Mishnah is phrased, that there's some difference in precedence because he mentioned the vow of being a Nazir whenever he has a child first. And that's, in fact, what we get playing out here in the Mishnah. He'd heal Monet et Shalot, if he starts to count his own period of being a Nazir immediately, and then after he begins his own period, what happens is that, in fact, he ends up having a child during that period of his, while well, that period of his Nizir vow is, uh, in fact, going on. Maniach et Shalot, if that's the case, he should put aside his own period of Nizirut, umona et shelbanova, charchach mashlim et shalom. And then he should count the full 30-day period, and then only afterwards finish up his own period of Nizirut. Now, the, the question that comes up here is uh, the Mishnah, which the Mishnah doesn't deal with explicitly, but is a real question, is what happens to the completion ceremony? when he's in this situation. Let's say he starts his own period of Nizirut. He's halfway through it. It's a fifth, he's, he's only done 15 days, let's say. And then his wife gives birth to a child, a son. Now what he has to do is stop his Nizirut and then do a full 30-day period of Nizirut for having had a child and then finish up the 15-day period of having of doing Nizirut for his uh, for his original vow that he was going to be a Nazir. Now the question uh, is this: We have a principle, a clear principle that uh, is stated in the next Mishnah, but which the Gemara actually brings here on this Mishnah: Ein tiglachat pchuta mishloshim yom. You don't actually do the shaving, the completion ceremony for being a Nazir if you've been a Nazir for less than 30 days. And that means he cannot do the completion ceremony at uh, the end period of his own or the, the point at which he stops doing his own Nizirut and goes on to do the uh, Nizirut for, uh, as a result of having had a child. So clearly he's going to do the completion ceremony at the end of uh, of this period of time after he does the 30 days for his child. The question is, does he then wait another 15 days after that so that he can do one completion ceremony for both Nizi root periods? Or does he, in fact, go ahead and do one completion ceremony at the end of 45 days and then a second completion ceremony 
after that, after the additional 15 days of being a Nazir. Now, the problem we run into here is this. It appear, would appear to an outside observer when he does 40, 45 days and a completion ceremony, and then another 15 days and then a completion ceremony, that he is in fact doing a completion ceremony after only 15 days of being a Nazir. He walks into the temple to do his second completion ceremony with only two weeks of hair growth. It looks very, very strange. So the question is now going to be, well, okay, so I'm going to say that he is not going to do the completion ceremony at the end of that second 15-day 15 15-day period after the 45 days of the half Nazir period for himself and then the 30-day Nazir period for the birth of the son. The question is, does he do the completion ceremony, and this is the, the dispute I mentioned between Rashi and Rambam earlier, does he do the completion ceremony for both periods of time at the end of the 45-day period and then continue counting the 15 days and no completion with no completion ceremony at the end? Or does he actually do the, the completion ceremony for both rounds of Nizirut at the end of the full 60 days? Like I said, that's a dispute. Uh, the Rambam seems to think that, in fact, what we're, what we're going to do here is have this very odd two-week period where he's a Nazir for himself, finishing out sort of Tashlumin, these 15 makeup days that he made up from his first Nazirut, but there's no completion ceremony because it would look very, very, very strange. Rashi seems to think you hold on to the full 60-day period all the way until the end, and you do two completion ceremonies at the same time. I can see the uh, the thinking in both. Uh, do you do the completion ceremony for one Nizi root or for two Nizi root at the same time? Do you hold off on doing the completion ceremony for that set for that interrupting period of Nizi root, sort of uh, immediately because it's important to do it right away? Or do you hold off until the very end? To make this kind of uh, relevant for us in our own time, I guess the question would be this. When we make a promise and then that promise is interrupted by a pre-existing or an earlier existing obligation, how do we then handle that? If I make a promise to be somewhere at a wedding, for instance, and I know then that some other family obligation props up and I'm trying to be in two places at the same time. And I'm sure we've all had that experience. How do I handle that? How do I go about making, fulfilling my obligations in both regards? And so I guess the homework from today's Daily Duff Differently is exactly that question. Uh, how do we go about fulfilling both obligations simultaneously. I'll talk to you tomorrow, or uh, more accurately, after Shabbat. Shabbat Shalom. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.